Hello, I'm Sean Walsh, and you are listening to a special comedy improv podcast where I will be genuinely putting my guests on the spot. So this isn't like Mock the Week or the other panel shows on TV where they're prepared and they have writers. My guests have absolutely no idea what I'm about to say. So I'm pretending that my guest has written an autobiography and I'm going to be questioning them on the contents of their new book. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. I had so much fun making it. I hope you have as much fun listening to it as I did making it with my uh, fantastic guests. Cheers. I'm Sean Walsh and you are using your ears to listen to my 100% unfabricated, authenticated, official, real-life true story. Every week I speak to my guests about some of the keynotes of their newly released autobiography and try and fill some of the holes in the pork, as it were. My guest this week is Mark Steele, born Canon Tasty, one of the UK's best-loved stand-up comedians, bringing his passionate, zealous and hilarious routines to the stage for over 30 years. Exuberating a notorious amount of energy in his act, it is rumoured that in the mornings he uses himself to charge his toothbrush and once powered a small drone enough to lift it two and a half Richard Osmonds off the ground. Conceived in either September or October 1959, Mark was born on the 4th of July 1960 and adopted ten days later, something he would confront years on in his show Who Do I Think I Am? that although was critically acclaimed, did lead to several existential crises when signing in at the stage door. He might be adopted, but comedy is in his blood. So much so that his son Elliot is now also a stand-up comedian, but not to the extent that his daughter is as well. Appearing on all of television's best-loved panel shows, from Mock the Week to QI to Have I Got News For You, he is, however, best known for his Radio 4 series, Mark Steele's In Town, for which he was recently awarded a top 10 place in the greatest radio comedies of all time. A great triumph, sadly marred by the fact that the incompetent judges couldn't be bothered to name a winner, instead simply apologising and stating that they didn't have a clue. Growing up in the working class area of Swanley would help define Mark's political views and power his objections to social injustices. Friend, comedy peer and fellow Labour supporter Eddie Izzard is quoted as saying, pass me the salt, love. Mark, thank you for joining me. Thanks. Thanks. I didn't know that about Eddie. That's lovely. Yes. yes. Um, your book yes. is is called, uh, if you want it, steal it. Great title. Uh, you know, you see that and you immediately, well, you know, uh, it makes your biscuits whisper. Just quickly, how did you come up with such a riveting title, if you want it, steal it? Well, uh, some years after I started at the comedy store, uh, along with the other comics, we used to go out. We used to do two shows, mm. and we used to go out um, around Leicester Square in between the two shows. It was dull. You had yeah. an hour and a half. You're pottering about. So we used to rob places. And it, at first, it was just like the post office, or it was like a Burger King or something. It was a big Burger the Leicester King. Square Post Office. Uh, well, there was a, there's one at St Martin's Lane that was open 24 hours a day. And we used to go down there and uh, just rob stamps. Yes. Um, they kept the forms for driving license, passport application forms. They kept them behind the perspex thing. So we yeah. could go in there armed, you know, crowbars. Armed. Down on the floor! Give us your passport application forms now! And, uh, and then. That's a lot of adrenaline. The gigs. Yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. But it's and just, then you've got to keep up. And yes. Between the gigs. You've got to keep so yourself. It, was, up. it just made it made it really really exciting. And then there was a sort of alliance, which you might have. I'm sure you've read about this, but sometimes there was a sort of alliance. So 
people like John Hegley and myself and Arthur Smith would go out with big crazy Dave the Axeman yeah. and uh, Shooter Sam because whatever you said to him he would go I've got a shooter which <laughs> funny he could have done an act himself you know so it was about if you if you want it steal it if you if want, you it, want it steal yeah. it and that was and that became our catchphrase and then we tried to do it actually as a musical in mm. the comedy store for a while but um, yeah it just obviously it went wrong because um, on the opening night Sam just wasted seven people in the third row which is a shame that is a shame so starting off early in the book and it is it, you know, it's a compelling read, as always, open and, and honest. You, yeah, thank you. Uh, as they say, don't pour pepper on the Peugeot. You attended Swanley School. Yes. From a young age, you, you say you're a lover of all sports. Yes, I was, yeah. Yeah. All Some, sports. Jousting in particular. Jousting. Something I'd love to know more about is, is when you, you say that when you're attending Swanley School, you actually created your own sport called yes. Bloff. Yes. Now you say that Bloff was bigger than the World Cup. Um, it was in Swanley. Yes. I just thought it was interesting that you, you don't go into much more detail about Bloff. What was Bloff? It was created in the school. I was in Beckett House Block, right? Yes. All the houses were named after famous people in Kent. Okay. But, of course, so I thought, oh, Beckett, Thomas of Beckett, you know, the guy who was murdered in the 12th century in Canterbury Cathedral. Right, but it wasn't. It no. was named after Ronnie Beckett, yeah. who caved someone's head in over a Satsuma. Wow, that burns my egg cups, that does. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So in Beckett House Block, the room could be divided into two rooms. Okay. There was a sort of runner that would go along a little tracky. A running track. Going down the middle, you know. Like a track. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this curtain could be drawn, a sort of, you know one of these things, a partition curtain could be drawn across it to make it into two separate rooms. Okay. Oh, I see. Yes. So you've got a room and you've divided it with a big curtain. It's more than just a flimsy curtain, one of them hard things. You've got, and then you concertina it up yes. and it would squash into a little tiny cupboard that's maybe about nine inches long and you'd squash it in there with no room at all for anything else. But the good people of Swanley Beckett House Block yes. decided there was room for someone if you squashed hard enough. A bit like, you know when you're sort of young and you've got a bin liner and uh, yeah. you go, I could take the rubbish out and put a new bin liner in the in the bin. Yes. And put more. No, sod that. It's much more fun to just squash the yes. rubbish down, yes. down so that even though that's more effort than yes. taking the bin liner out, squash it down, more, come on, more. get it done, yeah, done. Yes. So they would squash someone into the cupboard, oh right? And that was the aim was to squash someone. And there was no space. It was defied the laws of physics right. that you could get someone in there. And so one day it was my it was my turn, right? You're still you're going in the cupboard, right? Bluff, and then bang, 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 and they and it oh. was war. And I remember grabbing hold of this table. I thought, right, if as long as I've got hold of the table, they can't get me and the table in there. And so then they'd be like kicking me hand to get it off the table. How many players? Who's oh, as many as there were. There was no limit. It's not like football. Right. You know, turn up. I'm sorry, we've already got 11. That didn't happen with Bloff. More people come and get this bastard fucking in the cupboard. Boof. And then after about 10 minutes, they didn't get me in there. And that was one of the most proudest moments of my life. So does that so mean you won Bloff? I won Bloff. Oh, so Bloff became 
you know, bigger than the World Cup. In fact. Wow. Well, you you say that you actually at first, although you were you bullied, that you were bullied at first. There there was one kid who was in a a couple of years above you at school who stuck up for you, and um, and you went on to develop a deep bond, and that was Osama bin Laden who went to who went to your school. Yes. Um, you you say that uh, in most ways he was nothing like the man he grew up to be. But but what, what well there was one incident when he put a bomb in the toilet, and I do remember again at assembly, oh, I think it was one of the I think it was the head of maths. What have I told you about trying to create a holy land by murdering the infidels? Boy, come here! Then they made him do maths and that's how we ended up with one of the maths lessons was I remember this well it was one of the questions was Osama Bin Laden gets onto a bus there were 31 people on the bus when he got on <laughs> he blew up nine of them describe as a fraction the percentage of survivors and that was the only way that they could get him to do it could you remember the answer yes 22 30 persons yes you see he's, he's, he stayed over you had sleepovers yeah he was yeah, 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 what yeah. did you do well, because well, we had a basement in our house, so he, he liked it because he was sort of a bit cavey, wasn't he? He liked, you know, so he would stay down I there. I see. He, he loved it all down there. Yeah. I'm going to quote the book. Um, Make no mistake about it, Bin Laden was the daddy of hopscotch. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah he was yeah, smiling yeah. as well. Yeah, that yeah, brings back some good memories. There's life memories, yeah. Yeah. And How long he, would you play hopscotch? Well, you know, it wouldn't go on long because obviously he'd put. Uh, Landmines in some of the some of the, some of the squares. Fucking chaos, wasn't it? Well, it sounds as if you two are really tap dance the goats, geez. Figuratively speaking. We get to the middle of if you want it, steal it. Here are the photos. Um, I think you know what's coming. Avoiding it would be rather Channing the Tatum. It's the uh, it's the photo of you in the London dungeon. Yes. Seconds before the uh, Dalai Lama called you a cunt I don't know I I thought that being the Dalai Lama that he would get a free pass into the Lama. I thought you know because he was in his robe and everything else, he was yeah. recognisable he, fucking god all day long people coming up you know hello Dalai Lama let's have a photo so eventually I was probably getting a little bit irritated and I thought oh well he's I don't know I just thought that he'd got sort of tickets complimentary tickets put by we get to reception we get uh, we oh, so it's his it. sorry I didn't realize so going to London Dungeon was his idea yeah 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 um, he had a day off he was blessing things while having a yeah. and then we went down there and um and then we got there says so a bloke come bloke come down and said uh, oi oi you haven't paid I thought that I said I thought you'd paid and he just had enough he was, you know called me a cunt the Dalai Lama was in a bad mood yeah, yeah. that was it so are you just well, you know, all the, because so many people had come up to him, he'd missed his meditation. Someone had trod uh, on the back of his robe, got all mud up it, all down London Bridge, as you just, you know, you know where the London Dungeon is. Yes. On Street, just as you're coming down the steps, someone's bloody ripped his robe. I see. So I it was a sort of, it was the camel that, sorry, it was the, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And, uh, you can see the, the Grim Reaper looks mortified. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 In fact, the worst bit, worse than um, worse than when he called me a cunt, was he, about ten minutes later. He said, 
hopes I get reincarnated as a cockroach. That is awful. Mm. That is awful. Awful. But we'll make it. It's a lovely photo. Mm. Uh, along with the other photos of here, black and white photo of you being, uh, well, you're looking very solemn, having just been sent off uh, in a bluff playoff final. And uh, and this one's very sweet. You and Ben Laden playing Twister. Uh, yeah, that was uh, it. His mum's house. Was it? Yes. Ah, right. Yes. No, I, it, no she was so, she was lovely. Because, you know, oh, and of course, you all, you know what you're like when you're that age. Hello, Mrs. Bin Laden. Hope you're well, Mrs. Bin Laden. And then she sort of turned to a Samer and said, why can't you be like Mark? I hope you're like that when you go round to Mrs. Steele's house. Yes, I am, mother. <laughs> uh, now, they didn't um, live there for much longer because, of course, he, he blew the place up in response to uh, being told he had to go to bed. I see. So, uh, your book, you know, it did it did fall under some controversy uh, when it was released. Uh, Stacey Solomon accused you of plagiarism, to which yes. you, you strongly denied. And uh, the accusations were, were thrown out of court. Uh, I have the section here, which uh, she accuses you of copying from her book, Happily Imperfect. Yes. Um, it would be really wonderful if we could hear it straight from the Chutney's Blue Tack. Would you do us the honours of please reading us this beautiful passage? Yes, in your head? of course, of course, of course. That's so the bit in yellow. This is the bit, this is from, from my book, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and for your information, the bush is back. The 1970s rule again when it comes to body hair, and thank freaking goodness for that. We can all let our pubes waft, knowing we're totally on brand and future forward. Wahoo! Exclamation mark. A nurse told me about the benefits of keeping my down there hair unshaved just after I'd given birth to Zach. Nowadays, my sons revel in my hairy arms and legs. They call me fuzzy and it makes them giggle every time. I love that because I know I'm accepting that my hair is part of what makes me. Yeah. And I strongly suggest you question your decision to depilate. I must admit that because I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm not saying never shave anything ever again, unless you want to, but surely it's time to get your mind aligned with your body and ask, does this work for me? I've accepted my hairy McClary badge. These days I wear it and my body hair with pride. Your body is your own. Don't let anyone tell you that you have to shave, but if you want to, it's your choice too. Let's celebrate our differences, our natural manly bodies and all that comes with them, including sexy fuzz. That was beautiful. Really, really moving. What drove you to, to write so passionately about body hair? I think it goes back to the days with Osama Bin Laden. I mean, obviously he was a, he was a man who was, uh, you know, had an above average amount of, of body hair. And I saw the amount of bullying that he got for that. And I saw how it made him very, very angry. He became very, very angry mm. at times, which is a shame because he was... He was a friend. And I just thought that I was sort of, it was my little tribute to our friendship, really, mm. to raise that as an issue. That's lovely. Now, Mark, you've achieved huge success in your career from appearances on all of the country's biggest panel shows to your own signature radio show, the hit Mark Steele's In Town. 
and of course your performance as four turnips on Ready Steady Cook. But the thing you're most proud of is your charity work and in 1997 you raised millions of pounds with your beautiful rendition of Taylor Swift's Back to December. Yeah, I know, well I bet, that, I bet it was such fun making it mm. and very moving as well as I'm sure you remember. Um, yes, you looked yes. fantastic in Thank those you. tight denim shorts. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Mark, would you please do us the honours and take it away. Some folks go back to November, but those are the days they remember. But Bin Laden then chose to dismember all the friends that he'd ever known. That's why I go back to December. And those are the days I remember. Uh, save the owl, oh save the owl, oh save the owl today. From June until September. Oh. Um, and so that we don't end the show with our, our listeners in tears we always like to end with a bit of fun uh, this is obviously the bit where we see how much uh, our author can remember of their their own book thank you so uh, I'm going to read out some of the uh, lines and uh, from your book and if you could just finish it off we can see if, how much you can remember brilliant okay at first, I didn't know who to turn to, but then it hit me. It was obvious. The person that had been there for pretty much my entire life. My shoulder to cry on. My rock. My brother from another mother. It was... Prince Philip. Correct. He, he would He would have... He, uh, he loved the hip-hop references, bless him. Uh, <laughs> it was very odd. The further Paul Hollywood bent over, the more he resembled a... Custard tart. That Correct. <laughs> Well, he put pastry around his arse. What was he expecting? Very odd. It could only be my old diary. I knew immediately that it was mine, because on the front was a drawing of a large axe. It was from the heavy metal days with the Dalai Lama. Correct. He didn't look well. I poured him a glass of water and made him take two... Uh, grapefruits. Correct. She laid there looking more beautiful than ever. A body that defied time curves that would outlive the stars. I felt sick with lust. I started by squeezing the body lotion onto her the corpse. Correct. They were armed and dangerous. I told the nun to get on the phone and call the Coast Guard. Correct. Mark, it's been absolutely uh, beautiful. I've, I've really, I felt like I've moved closer to the warm parrot with you tonight. Yes. Well, we've all We've all done that, and that's it's wonderful when we can when we can do that. Callum Tasty, thank you.